Welcome back. Jay Tom Lawler Rink on the campus of Merrimack College. Mike McMahon, John Leahy with you here. The score at the end of two periods of play. Lake Superior State from the WCHA 1 and Merrimack from Hockey East. Nothing. The second period intermission is brought to you, as it always is, by Merrimack Graduate Studies. At Merrimack, you can earn your master's degree in as little as one year. Choose from graduate programs in business, education, engineering, health sciences, criminology, and so much more. Visit merrimack.edu backslash graduate. That's merrimack.edu backslash graduate today for all the details. So the Lakers leading the Warriors 1-0 in 20 minutes away from a sweep of the weekend set here on the first weekend of hockey action. And joining us here in the second intermission, uh, second intermission for the first time this season, it is Mike McMahon from the Mac Report, the MacReport.com, and also College Hockey News, CollegeHockeyNews.com, as well as the Eagle Tribune. So, uh, Mike, first of all, your thoughts on maybe uh, not only this game but also the weekend. Uh, certainly, things tightened up a bit here tonight after last night's game. Um, you know, the offense that we saw last night, I'm sure, was not going to be repeated every night. But uh, uh, if you, for, you know, from a Merrimack standpoint, it seemed like offense has really uh, gotten, you know, it's, it's a key issue for them this year. And how many goals they're able to score and how their offense is will dictate uh, t- to a large extent where they end up. But what have you seen this weekend? Uh, what, what do you like and what are the concerns? Well, well, it seems like they got some video last night. Both teams did and, and have played a lot tighter tonight, like you said. Uh, nothing more evident, I think, than the power plays. Teams are 0 for 9 combined on the power play tonight. I think last night they finished 5 for 8 combined on the power play. Uh, so a lot of that offense last night came in the power play tonight. Obviously, not so much. Um, and and a, but that literally could have just been, hey, uh, we've, we've got some video now. We know how they're going to play, and, and we can tighten some things up. Um, I agree with you. I think this year as a whole comes down to offense. I mean, it's, it's been the same conversation we've had for probably the last two or three years. You know, are they going to be able to score enough goals? That's been the biggest concern. Um, and we'll see. I mean, they're going to need younger guys to score goals this year, which is different. And, and Usually that, that's not a recipe for a ton of success right away, uh, but I think you're going to see guys like uh, like Chase Greesock and Jordan Seifert uh, and, and Chase Olsen, Jackson Bales as a sophomore stepping up, and I, I think it looks like he's played more of an offensive role these first two games, so uh, Logan Drevens we're seeing in there tonight too. They're going to need some of these freshmen and sophomores to score goals. I mean, there's just there's so many of them, uh, they're not going to be able to get away with I think without younger players finding ways to score goals. And at the same time, you're going to need the guys like Sammy Tavernier and you know from the blue line Johnny Kovacevic to lead the way at, in terms of being able to either set plays up or get score goals themselves. I mean, Tavernier certainly projects as uh, their their top returning forward and a guy that you know you can you know as a junior it's right I think to put that on him and to say yeah he's got to lead us offensively and he's got to be the guy that's going to uh, key our power play unit uh, you know in terms of setting things up. So it's going to be interesting, for example, to see does he set up in that that play off the boards, you know, like Stefan Costa did. I mean, we've seen some of that this weekend. But he's a guy, and then Johnny Kovacevic as well. And we saw some, you know, from both of those guys last night that that they might be able to do that tonight. Though, uh, you know, the chances, the, the scoring chances have been uh, harder to come by. Yeah, and they lost a, a key returner too, in, in Ludwig Larson, who yep. transfers to Penn State. I mean, that's a that ends up being a big loss because he's your number one center, and there's no question I think that he'd be the number one center. Right. It kind of moves everybody else down. So Petty, instead of having a center, the Tavernier line is probably centering a second line instead of the top line. So that loss is a loss that, that hurts. You can't look in the rearview mirror. you, you got to move forward at some point. They did that a while ago, that up and over the summer. But right. uh, that, that's another one that I think uh, 
a legitimate scorer proven last year uh, that, that they're going to miss this year. And it just, like, again, it's going to open up opportunities for those freshmen and sophomores to score points, and, and they're going to need them to. I mean, they're, if they're to get enough goals, I think, to have, uh, you know, a moderate amount of success, they're going to need those younger guys to score goals. Just if you look at the lineup, I mean, there's going to be several of them in the lineup every night. Uh, so they're, they're not going to be able, I think, to, to have any type of sustained, sustained success uh, without finding a way for some of those guys to open up. And whether it's you know, whether it's 15 or 20 points, I mean, who knows what the breakdown has to be. But you're, you're going to have to see some of those younger guys step up and take on roles that maybe maybe before they're ready for it, you know, realistically. And, and that's what happens, I think, when you have a younger team that's kind of growing a little bit. You saw it with UMass last year. Uh, you, they relied on younger guys to, to get their scoring uh, in place. And, and now we look at UMass as potentially being you know, potentially being top five in the league after they had a really good freshman class last year that comes in and, and is able to gain some confidence and score some points. So they were picked last in both the polls, the media poll and the uh, the coaches' poll. Uh, the bottom three teams are not going to make the playoffs this year with 11 clubs in the conference. Numbers 9, 10, and 11 would not make it. Uh, the top eight, only the top eight will make it. So, uh, you know, figuring uh, that, that clubs like, uh, you know, that that part of the league may come down to clubs like uh, Merrimack, UNH, UConn, Vermont. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with some of the yeah. other players there. Uh, and, and, and Vermont made a statement last night with a 5-2 win at Michigan on the road, a team that Merrimack's going to play on the road later this season as well. But uh, what has to happen here? What, what, what does Merrimack need to do this season? What, what kind of um, contributions do they need to get to be able to now beat out three teams and get a playoff spot this year. Yeah, again, it comes down to goal, uh, goal scoring number one and then goal tending number two. And uh, I like, you know, Scott Bork said it last night, goal tending is a, a team stat. It is because you can look at a guy's save percentage and say it's good or it's bad, but a lot of it's uh, predicated on where those shots are coming from. Yeah. You know, it's it's easy to have a 930 save percentage when they're coming from the top of the zone. So uh, if, if Craig Pantana, who's a 915 goalie last year, you know, if he can give them 915, 920 goal tending all season, it's pretty good. It was yeah. way above average. I think the league average last year was like 907. So uh, that that would be very good. That's a, that's a great place to start. Yeah. And then if you can get a, enough goals, you know, I think there's a chance. Uh, I, I look at them as being in a range uh, somewhere, probably between eight and eleven. And, and again, that comes down to just by the fact that they're so young. I mean, young teams typically don't have a ton of success right away. So uh, I think the the high end they could be a playoff team. Uh, I think the low end, if if the goaltending doesn't work and you don't get the goals from the younger guys that you need, they could be that eleventh place team that they were picked at the beginning of the year. But uh, I, I don't have them there. I know. I know in my ballot, I think I had them ten. Um, but I, I think you know, with with things aligning the right way, they can be better than UConn. They can be better than Vermont. They can be better than UNH. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not all those things come together. Uh, in the few minutes that we have left here, I think it's important that we touch on because we don't have a chance to do this yet. Uh, you know, in this time where we often you know banter things back and forth here, the uh, the coaching change in the off season, the first year in 13 years now, uh, a new coach here at Merrimack, Mark Dennehy, uh, you know, being let go, Scott Bork being brought in. I think it's you know important to to look at and, and recognize the contributions that Dennehy made here. I mean, really, you know, uh, I've said to some folks off the air here. I mean, they might not have a program now if not for him and things that he did, especially in the early years that he was here to keep that momentum going and then eventually to get this to you know, some of the place where they needed to, where they had never been before including an NCAA uh, tournament bid including a, a berth in the Hockey East Championship game, things they hadn't done before, a number one ranking in the country 
country and so on. Um, you know, I mean, whether whether you felt that, and, and certainly there was some, I think that folks are maybe starting to come together a bit here now, you know, uh, behind Scott Bork as the head coach, but there was some time back there. I mean, the move caught so many people by surprise, I'd say, that there definitely were, you know, whether you came down in the the, uh, the camp that you thought a, sh- a change should have been made or you didn't, either way, I think you have to recognize and, and the fact that the things that Mark Denny did while he was here were very important in the stage of the program, and just wanted to get your thoughts on that, too. There's no question, yeah, and I think some of the stuff you said, you know, and I wrote about this back in March when it happened, he was, you know, having power play meetings on Tuesday mornings and then Tuesday afternoons meeting with former presidents trying to convince them that they should still have a program, so, uh, you know, those things were actually happening back around 2006, 2007, so, uh, yeah, absolutely, you know, like you, you said it best, I think uh, there may not be a program here if he didn't put the work in that he did especially in those early days you know now seven months removed from it uh that was end of march middle of march we're almost seven months removed from it i guess uh, i think you could look back and say you know what uh it, it seems like everyone's kind of fallen on their feet uh you know mark's down in binghamton and in a really good spot in the american hockey league and that's an organization the, the spot opened up in binghamton because they moved the binghamton coach up to the new jersey devils coaching staff so i mean i think everyone's kind of landed on their feet i think this is something that you know four or five years from now uh this could be something Something where everyone looks back and says, "Hey, you know what? It worked out for Mark. Maybe it worked out for Merrimack too." And uh, everyone, everyone comes out feeling pretty good about it. Uh, and it's and it's fun. You know, I, I agree with you. Talk, talking to Scott and getting to know him a little bit over the last couple of months, uh, he's an easy guy to root for. And, and I think that people are uh, people are excited to see where this team can go under his direction too. You know what else I feel also is like I think that you know he looks at some of the things that that, that Mark did and appreciates that and wants to build on that. And so there's no question that you know he's trying to take them to the next level. He talks about winning championships. And things like that and uh, you know it's going to come on the back of I think uh, uh, some of the things that they put in place including Curtis Carr who comes back and you know really really provides an awful lot of continuity here that's a big move right there I love that they kept Curtis here I think Curtis is a really good coach Uh, I think he's done a really good job of recruiting you know it's funny I uh Right before the move happened, and obviously he was on Nate Lehman's staff, but about three days before the hiring actually took place, uh, I was out at the Frozen Four, and I I was talking to Nate Lehman on the phone, and he said to me, uh, you know, the one thing that, as an opposing coach, would would make me kind of stand up and take notice is if they went and hired a really good recruiter. And he had said at the time, you know, I think Scott's one of the best recruiters in the country. And three or four days later, you know, they made the hire. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do from a recruiting standpoint. That's his bread and butter. That's what he's really good at. Uh, and I know that's been a big focus, you know, over these first couple of months. And what have you seen there? Uh, I know John wants to ask a question too, but what have you seen there uh, in terms of recruiting that, you know, are, are you seeing that, you know, they're going after getting some of those players that maybe they didn't get in the past? It seems like they're a lot busier. I mean, Josh Diaco's not here this weekend and, and may not be here very much. He's going to be seen on, him yet. He's, he's going to be on the road a lot. Uh, I know the two goaltenders in committed are, are really good, and uh, there's others too, you know, a couple of the defensemen that, that are, for, the problem they're recruiting now is they're 16 years old, right, so uh, it's going to take a couple years for them to get here, except one of those goaltenders will be in here next year, Christmas Stover, uh, but there's a lot of guys that I think they've committed over the summer that they're pretty excited about. Lastly, Mike, uh, Bert Hamill passes away, great uh, legend here at Merrimack, uh, what are your thoughts quickly? Uh, stunned. Uh, when I, I heard that yesterday, it's, uh, yeah, the, the stunned to hear that. You know, I know uh, I, I know he, he had a, a scare last year, but it, it seemed like he had come on the other side. He, he did his ABA camp, I think, over the summer, which uh, has helped out literally thousands of kids in this area. So huge loss for Merrimack, huge loss just for the, the entire community because he touched he touched a lot of lives. Yeah, uh, couldn't have said it better. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate
appreciate it. And we send our best, by the way, to uh, to Bert's family and family and friends, everybody in the Merrimack community. Certainly stunned by that. But uh, Mike, thanks as always, folks. Check out his work at themacreport.com, the Eagle Tribune, and also College Hockey News. Thanks again, Mike. Thank you. That's Mike McMahon. We will be back with more right after this to score at the end of two Lake Superior State one and Merrimack nothing. This is Warrior Hockey.